0: as we hit further on into this year and licenses come up for renewal. There may be some of the smaller ones that, you know, one of two things, they decide to sell, band together with another operator and just create a bigger book of business or they just decide that it's a great experiment but long-term profitability isn't gonna be realistic in this market.
1: Hello again and welcome back to the Gaming News Canvas show. It is Thursday, February 1st, 2024. And yes, it's Steve McAllister here in the host chair yet again. Uh, today, to be perfectly blunt, there's, there's an awful lot to cover. Um, Brett Jackman, the Vice President of Finance and Strategy for Points Bet Canada, will join us in a second to talk about a very positive second quarter financial statement points bet in both Australia and with its Canadian business here in Ontario. We're also going to ask our regular contributors, Amanda Brewer. Uh, Phil Gray and Chris Abbott may drop by at some point to participate in a, a rapid round discussion, which we haven't done for a while. Uh, from a busy week on the sports betting and gaming industry, a lot, lot of news to cover, and we're also going to get Amanda and, and uh, Phil to also help us tee up next week's ice conference in London. They're they're both heading to uh, to London over the weekend, so we'll get them to uh, to talk about that before we uh, before we end the hour. And then finally, we're gonna, we are going to get Phil Gray, the, uh, the the former longtime sports trader for Sports Interaction. We're going to get Phil to talk a little bit about uh, the February 11th Super Bowl in, in Las Vegas and and provide some information, but also have a little bit of fun of the kind of bets that can be made next week. But let's get started and, and welcome for the first time, uh, Brett Jackman from Points Bet Canada to the program. And hey, Brett, I just want to start by saying, I know we were talking a little bit off camera about Nick Salski, and I'm... I'm thinking either you you want a coin flip or or you want a best of seven arm wrestling master to have the opportunity to represent points back Canada today and talk about a, a good news story.
2: Yeah, you got it exactly right, Stephen. And thanks for having me on. I've been I've been needling Nick a lot at the office over the last kind of weeks and months. He can't have all the fun coming on with you guys. So um, this is my week. It might be the fact that it's Nick's birthday week. Um, that he that he agreed to kind of give up the privileged position to join you guys but I'm more than happy
1: to be with you well I'm, I'm sure I'm sure Brett Nick will be happy that we we mentioned his name on the show once again and then we do uh, in all seriousness wish we wish Nick a happy uh, a happy birthday and and we look forward to getting him back here at, at some point hey Brett I want to start out uh, yeah just uh as we covered in the newsletter this morning uh, a really good second quarter report for for points bet and particularly the the Canadian operation that that you're involved in and uh, you know again healthy numbers in terms of sports betting on the gross win side on net win margin percentage on net win um you know a really good story with net win on the iGaming gaming piece which we'll get into a little bit more detail in, in a second here but what uh, what really stuck out to you with with the report, and, and what what are people at, at PointsBet Canada talking about with these latest financials?
2: Yeah, you nailed it, Steve. We're we're thrilled um, with uh, with the second quarter and what we went public with on on Tuesday evening. Um, as you said, in Canada, kind of we're firing on all cylinders now. Uh, it was our best uh, performance since inception across both sports and, and casino. I think what's most pleasing for me, certainly in, in my role, is it's not just the headline numbers that you're seeing, you know, reported publicly in our in our disclosures and in our analyst presentation uh, from Tuesday night, but it's the underlying fundamentals uh, across all the core kind of value levers of the business. Uh, we're seeing you know significant positive trajectory and growth across pretty much every lever um, that drives value in the business. Um, you know, on the sports side. Um, acquisition is firing. You know we're hitting you know month over month hitting new le- new levels of of uh, of acquisition numbers. We're converting them into first time betters at a uh, you know at a much higher rate because um, we've made some significant improvements in our conversion funnel. And that you know that that's basically the work of of all the teams from operations to technology, putting in place um, you know product and uh, and manual processy processes improvements that are really helping to make sure we're getting the right yield of our, of our signups and on the retention and reactivation side, the team's just doing a a phenomenal job engaging our base. Um, So our, our cash active uh, subscriber base uh, is continuing to grow um, and exceed all of our expectations internally. You mentioned gross margins off the top. That's one of the real big success um, successes in the quarter on the sportsbook side. Um, been, we've been really successful at driving betting activity on in-play, which is one of our core strengths on the product side, uh, and a higher healthy mix of parlay bets. Um, those things are innately going to drive a higher gross margin. Um, and you'll see it kind of reflected in the bit lower turnover numbers uh, year on year in our reporting. Um, a large part of that is just the amount of parlay uh, activity we're driving on the, on the book now it inherently comes at a lower stake size, uh, relative to pre-match singles bets, for example. So we, you know, that's a dynamic we're expecting to see a little less handle a lot higher yield, um, you know, drives a much healthier, uh, gross win position. Um, and we've been much more efficient on the promo side as well. Um, you know, driving the re, you know, the, the promotional reinvestment dollars into the hands of the right customers. Um, we're seeing that, you know, in, uh, in a much healthier net win margin we're seeing that with our retention numbers we're seeing that with our engagement numbers uh and growing lifetime values so on the sportsbook side you know everything's kind of moving in the way it should be we're outpacing the growth of the of the market um so we're grabbing share um we're very ha- you know very happy and pleased on the sportsbook side on the casino side um you know our disclosures are, are only at the net win level um with what we put out publicly um but what i would say there is you know, we're also growing that business healthily, kind of month over month, quarter over quarter, uh, and pleased with what we're seeing there. But I, I would say, you know, um, we definitely have much more upside there and much more room for improvement. And we've known that and we've been making the necessary steps behind the scenes to kind of set ourselves up for a, a really bright future there. Um, you know, we know the, mar- the size of the market is uh, is massive on the iGaming side. It's, you know, three quarters of the market in Ontario. Um, and our product just was not where we wanted it to be. Uh, so we've been laying the groundwork, as I said, behind the scenes. We've gone now public with our partnership with Strive Gaming. Right. Um, and that, that's a really um, important point to emphasize on Q2. Our poor performance in Q2 on sports, there's no goodness to Strive in there. Um, we had not launched it. Um, that's all organic. You know, the points bet platform, the points bet business, uh, driving that kind of better than 100% growth year on year. All the upside we're going to see from Strive is ahead of us. Um, so, the, you know, that that integration, those, you know, enhancements, we're going to see kind of over time, um, but they have not come out yet. That's just uh, the partnerships announced and the work is going on behind the scenes, but we've not rolled that out in, in Folsom yet. Um, hey, Brad,
1: what? Oh, sorry, Brad, go ahead. Dog, go ahead. And- no, I that, just want
2: So that that's really it. It's just to say we're we're pleased with you know, the growth continuing to kind of grab share slowly and steadily. Um and the fundamentals are are there to, you know, to continue on that trajectory. But we're really excited about the uh the path we now have in front of us as we look ahead to, you know, the the upcoming quarters in the next fiscal year and what we can do on the online casino side.
1: Something that Brett that Amanda Brewer has talked about on on the show um over the past five or six months is just that there there is uh, the Ontario market is reaching a point of maturity where you know operate. We're seeing less uh, less marketing spend. The the market is settling down, and I, I expect, as as Amanda's mentioned and, and Phil and and Chris Abbott, that we will see some operators leave um, at, at certain points of, of 2024. But it, it does feel like like that maturing in the market that that's reflected in in this uh, in this financial report for PointsBet.
2: Yes, definitely. Um, I think, you know, we have seen already, you know, some, um, and Amanda knows this, you know, intimately, uh, have already signaled or have exited the market. I fully expect to continue, um, you know, as we move forward in, in 2024. I think we've put ourselves in a position to be, you know, um, you know, we're looking to scale the business full stop. And so we've got a, a very organic um, an exciting organic growth plan in front of us. And obviously we in my role in, in strategy and finance at Point kind of evaluating all opportunities, um, you know, to, to accelerate our growth, to find scale um, at an accelerated rate than our organic plan. Um, we've got a lot of options in front of us. We've got a great product and a great platform. And the financials of the overall company are now in the you know the most stable and strong position they've been probably since inception or at least since the foray into the United States. And so, you know the, the the I guess the message I would leave you with, Steve, is the, the the future is bright for PointsBet. A lot of optionality in front of us.
1: I was gonna say, Brett, there, there's got to be uh, just more. I, I know there was some integration, but before Fanatics acquired the Points Bet's U.S. business, that. Uh, Uh, some of the people in Canada were doing work in the U S and, and so I have to assume that being able to be a little bit more laser, laser focus on the business in Ontario, that, that has to be a plus as well. Definitely. Yeah,
2: you're, you're exactly right. Um, We're seeing the fruits of that already. Your question does bring up an interesting point that I also wanted to bring up on the call, which is, I think the other pleasing moment um, or takeaway from the Q2 performance for, for points bet as a whole is I would say that on the back of the news of the of the transaction with Fanatics uh, and the divestiture of the U.S. asset, I think analysts and investors have been watching very closely to see how PointsBet would respond. Right in the first quarters, post the announcement, we're definitely in the thick of um, of the transition and the divestiture, unwinding operations, transferring um, assets over to Fanatics. That can be a distraction for many companies. Um, yeah, that's a challenging thing to navigate through to continue to deliver with the remaining business while unwinding um, assets um, from the from the prior business. Um, you know, in that you've got, as you mentioned, people with roles that span different jurisdictions. You've got um, capabilities or or functions that have been performed by folks in the U.S. asset covering the Canadian business that we now have to you know, build new processes, hire up new roles, um, start to work differently with our Australian partners. Um, it causes, you know, there's the ripple effects on the operation are, are significant. And in the face of all that, you know, the comment I'll make is even broader than Q2. It's the first half of the year, Q1 and Q2. I think what you've seen across Australia and Canada is, you know, best quarterly and or half year performance uh, in the company's history. Uh, in Q2, the, the, the first operating cash flow positive quarter in company right. history. And so when you put that all together, it's like in the face of that fanatics unwind, uh, which is going smoothly and, and well on pace to kind of achieve um, the target of the second close timing. Um, you know, everything's going well. There's been no, you know, interruption on, on performance, no interruption on, you know, in kind of our plan. We're, we're well uh, hitting all the mile markers on our plan internally.
1: Hey, a couple more questions, Brett, before we let you go. One is just going back to that in parlay handle mix. And I remember when we first started the newsletter three years ago and started going to conferences, Jay, Jay Croucher, your former head of trading, talked a lot about uh, about points bets, um, in-game betting product, and, and that it was, uh, it was a, 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 an industry leader at that time. I, I just... You probably can't get into too many details in terms of how what that in parlay mix looks like among the different sports, but I just wonder—I just want to ask—you know how the the growth of in parlay betting and is that um, you know new new customers kind of learning how to to navigate that landscape or um, you know what are, are there are there factors that the that you and Scotty and, and Nick and the other people at PointsBet have identified that, that has led to that growth in in play betting?
2: Yeah, I think. It's a good question. I think in-play betting is has has really caught fire with a certain segment of customer, right? It will never, in the same way, translate to the uh, or, or you know align perfectly with a VIP um, experience. Like they have a certain way that they like to bet, a certain markets they like to play, a certain level of action. But for the retail, you know, the retail player, it is a very fun enjoyable experience kind of as a shoulder viewing experience to bet on the game You're watching while you're watching it. And I think those that are doing really well in that kind of subspace um, And I put points bet in the mix in that and there's others as well um, This is really where platform shines, right? Um, and our odds factory uh, platform uh, and the breadth and depth of sports and markets that are being offered on odds factory have really enabled us to kind of capture, you know, a, a really good share of that business. And, you know, with, with respect to how much it generates on our book, uh, we disclosed that figure. We, we talked publicly um, that 65% um, of our sports book handle was, was placed on in-play wagers, both, you know, singles and parlays. Um, but two-thirds of our handle are um, on bets that are in-play action. Um, so it is a massive amount of action
1: on our book and growing. Um, does that help? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was looking for. Um, last question. I mean, you you, uh, you know, it, it almost feels like there's an opportunity here to build on that Q2 success. You look at the first couple of months of 2024 and uh, um, we, when we talked about iGaming uh, in October, PointsBet hired Brooke, uh, Brooke Hilton uh, coming on board as your head of casino uh, you talked mm-hmm. about the integration with uh, Strive Gaming, another a Vancouver comp, uh, Vancouver business. So the, a bit of a British Columbia bump between Strive and, and Brooks' arrival, and then also obviously the NFL playoffs and, and the Super Bowl. So I, I would expect you you uh, you're anticipate that this momentum will continue to uh, move along as we get into the first uh, first quarter of 2024.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, the I think everyone on this call understands you know, the space and that this quarter that we're in now and the quarter we just finished, uh, certainly from a sports betting perspective, they are the two quarters that make the year, um, the sports calendar, you know, lines up with that. And so, you know, and in January, we've had a very strong January that I think Sam, uh, our, our group CFO or CEO rather mentioned on the call, uh, on Tuesday evening with analysts, um, you know, one month into, into this quarter, we're already kind of, um, on the pace, um, that we need to be um and you know casino i don't think casino should be viewed in, in the same way um seasonally that we do on sports and that it's kind of in in points bet uh timing q2 q3 but for the market uh q4 q1 um you know casino is 24 7 365 with a little bit of maybe summer summer action dip because of uh, vacations and, and people not wanting to be on their phones as much or what have you but um yeah, like we're we're timing our casino coming out party uh, very much to um, you know the back end or the the back end of our fiscal year, um, the middle of twenty twenty four when sports will naturally kind of seasonally slow down.
1: Brett Jackman is the vice president of finance and strategy for PointsBet Canada uh brett really appreciate you joining us um for, for your uh your maiden voyage on on the gaming news canada show great uh, great stuff um really appreciate it again and and we'll look to uh look to you uh, keeping nick on the sidelines and having you join us again here on uh on the gaming news canada show in the very near future
2: yeah you bet thanks steve uh, for having me on and looking forward to next time
1: great thanks again uh thanks again brett Cheers. um I want to get Amanda Brewer in here for a second and man I, I I just want to say that uh, you know one one of the frustrations and and we've talked about this often in, in covering the market in Ontario is that we tend not to get a lot of uh, a lot of data from operators so um, it is it is refreshing to uh, to, to, to you know to, to get the kind of transparency that points is providing with this with results and I know I asked you this question once or twice a year but but because we're early in 2024 i'll I'll ask it again do do you think we'll ever get to a point where we we do get to see a little bit uh you know operators do pull back the curtain a little bit more on 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 their businesses
0: well you know having previously sat in the operator roundtables um you know the operators are Pretty good at keeping their cards close to their chest. Um, I know that uh, there has been a request for IGO to start sharing more market data in terms of market position of the operators. You do see other jurisdictions, uh, specifically those south of us, who share that data on a on a regular basis. But the issue in Ontario is sort of you know we've talked about you know them needing to get the market open. So at some point, just getting the market open took priority and they knew that they weren't going to be launching, you know, as Martha Otten herself has described, you know, not sort of technologically, you know, viable tools. They were actually not all that great. And uh, when you're launching a market, you're getting operators who are coming in who may not have been licensed anywhere else in the world, or they're coming in with Curacao licenses. Um, You know, coming in and getting licensed in Ontario means you're kind of in, you know, for lack of a better word, the big leagues, you know, there are very, um, you know, strict, (laughs) very uh, detailed compliance requirements to operate in this market. Um, And so when you have really strict regulations, you're coupling it that with uh, lack of automation for your reporting tools, your AML, you know, is is manual for the operators. Um, That doesn't always mean that you're going to be getting 100% reliable data back from your operators. And iGo has has uh, made note of that in past and last year that they were having some concerns. They didn't by any means point fingers, but just some concerns with some of the data they were receiving. So you can appreciate from Igo's perspective that when they're not 100% confident that the numbers they're looking at are the right ones, then to start trotting out figures Uh, into the market um, would be slightly misleading. So I, you know, my hope is, you know, as we can start introducing some automated processes, as I go becomes more confident that, you know, the data submitted by operators is 100% correct. um, And, you know, our government starts to get a little bit more, Comfortable with the notion of you know disclosing what's going on in the market, uh, then we'll see more useful information coming out. But there's a, there's a whole bunch of things, Steve, that I think need to kind of fall into place before we'll see that happen.
1: Great, thank thanks for walking us through that, Amanda. I, I want to ask you and, and Phil Grant. I'll start with mm-hmm. Phil on this one. Phil, d- just the the points bet numbers. I mean, do you think that reflects? The, the industry at large in Ontario that there there is healthy growth across the industry as we reach the two year market regulated um, gambling in the province or, or do you think that this, the, the points bet report is as an example of a company that maybe took a while to to get rolling here and, and, and things are going as I say, are trending in the right direction right now.
3: Yeah. I, I think it's certainly indicative of the way the model has changed for sportsbooks and points points bet certainly seems to be on, on top of that, where we're moving towards more of a, you know, catering to the recreational base, um, expanding the product, um, for correlated parlays, same game parlays, um, as well as in, in play parlays, you know, stuff that was, you know, a, a number of years ago, um, technology wasn't, wasn't available. And, and sports books, you know, we came in here with a model of, you know, the, the, 50% of the revenue was based on, on, on large, you know, um, VIP and, and, and premium care clients. You know, people that deposit a lot, um, spent a lot of money, very high stakes wagers as well. That, you know, coming into where we are in regulated um, some somewhere now, uh, some places now, you can't do that. Um, you, you, you can't rely on that. So, so kudos to them for sure. And I know a number of other books that are shifting their model to that. And I think that's where you're going to see the success in books, moving to more of a recreational product, rather than, um, you know, um, you just can't do that anymore. And you're seeing around the world in different um, uh, jurisdictions. um, You uh, you can't rely on, um, on, for lack of a better word, big losers. Amanda?
0: Yeah, I actually was exchanging emails with uh, Scotty and Nick this morning and congratulated them on the strong results. Um, I think it's great. It was a lot of, you know, and speaking from the, you know, Unibet perspective where I was working, like, you know, very few operators were going to launch in the market and be profitable from day one. And, you know, we've talked a lot about being really judicious with the spent really easy to just start throwing money, trying to acquire customers. But if you're never going to get any of that money back, then that's not really money well spent. And just, you know, wanting to do a slow, a slow build here, get a sense of the customer, get a sense of what the market was going to be like, Um, and just make sure you're not over, over delivering in terms of your budget and your precious marketing dollars. So I think for a company like PointsBet who had, um, you know really a a good vision um a great you know product that they came in here with um on their on their platform side um and really took the time to get to know their customers in the market so i think you know seeing that these kinds of numbers coming in at just under the two-year mark is is a testament to just you know having a vision and you know having the right team in place and and just you know pushing forward now i think they may be you know, the exception and not the rule. I think there's a, hundred, <laughs> a ton of operators in the market who right now are, you know, maybe not even with a single percent of market share. Um, and so, you know, back to, you know, the market being completely saturated at this point, Um, You know, my anticipation is that as we hit further on into this year and licenses come up for renewal, there may be some of the smaller ones that, you know, one of two things, they decide to sell, band together with another operator and just create, you know, a a bigger book of business, or they uh, just decide that, you know, it's a great experiment, but long term profitability isn't going to be realistic in this market.
1: Um, I see Brett's still with us and Brett, if I can just ask you, I, I mean, given Amanda's comments and, and Phil as well, I, does this validate, I mean, it's points about Ontario kind of invested in people in Ontario right, right from the get go when it, when it made its intention in Toronto. And, and again, is this, does this report reflect the commitment that the company has made to hiring, hiring local and having a presence in Toronto? Yeah,
2: I, I certainly think it does. Um, you know, one of the comments that um, I think our, our global CEO has made, uh, Sam Swinell, previously is, you know, he got a question from analysts that said, you know, is what's going on in Ontario, you know, um, meeting your expectations? Like, how do you look at it? Like, right, because as Amanda said, we don't have market share information. There's no operator table where you can see on the one to end list where you stack rank. Just know Everyone just knows independently where they are um, against their internal uh, expectations um but he he had an insightful answer that I, that stuck with me and he said you know if you look at our us jurisdictions even the ones that um had iGaming gaming as well as as sports betting like we have the benefit of in ontario would we have been talking about the jurisdiction being profitable in two years and the answer was no um and you know what we've publicly stated and reinforced in our guidance that is our expectation in ontario um is to be profitable uh, in FY25 in Ontario. So I think the investments we've made locally—you know—we've got a staff of 50 people locally across all the key, you know, functions and departments. Um, it does feel like, as you kind of said, a slow start out of the gates, trying to build a brand locally that kind of was starting with from you know a position of nothing, right? Points about was unknown, no customer database to speak of um, or to build off of and, and sell into. Um, from that standing start to kind of be where we're at now, we do feel like we've got the flywheel moving and we're starting to kind of move right, you know, at the pace we need to and good things will come as we kind of put our shoulders down and keep pushing.
1: Great that great stuff. Thanks for that, Brad. A word from our sponsor.
2: Hey there, sports fans. Are you looking for fresh and fun takes on the hottest topics in Canadian sports? Well, we've got just what you need. Introducing Homestand Sports today, your go-to daily sports newsletter, bringing you the Canadian angle on the hottest NHL, NBA, footy stories, and more right to your inbox. But wait, there's more. Homestand Sports isn't just another text-heavy newsletter. Every story has its own video featuring our talented hosts like me, Albert Vartanian, giving you a newsletter experience like never before. And did I mention it's a free subscription? Subscribe now at homestand.ca.
4: Now back to the show.
1: Amanda I Phil, I'd like to get the, the rapid round that we we discussed at the top of the show and, and starting with uh, not really a, a big surprise yesterday. And as I joked this morning in the news, the, the, the only surprise was that Penn Entertainment was sending... A uh, press release out of a place called Wyoming, Pennsylvania, which I, I didn't know existed until yesterday afternoon at <laughs> about 4.45. Um, but that, that, you know, that John Levy will step aside from his role as executive chairman of SCORE, um, I think right after the, the Super Bowl with uh, the with three sons to follow in, in April. And Amanda, you and I were texting each other last night. This isn't a big surprise.
0: I think when these types of acquisitions happen, there's the sunset clause. So you want to keep that leadership team intact for a certain period of time, but there's an understanding by both parties that, you know, there is a, there is an end date to it. And listen, the score had a great database. It had great content. It had a great app. Um, so what Penn brought to it was, you know, the ability for them to come in and become a sports book operator first and foremost, um, and then, you know, add in the casino. So, you know, I think this didn't kind of signal any kind of alarms for me or, you know, raise any eyebrows. Um, I think John has been such a transformational force in this industry. Um, You know, he's been in it for a long time. And I think he and his sons deserve to, you know, go and enjoy the fruits of their very very hard labor um and i have a a colleague of mine who's just started working over at the score so i know they're still hiring um still committed to you know being in ontario and that great beautiful space they have down at the waterfront and all the people that they've hired um and the people that are working in toronto aren't just working in toronto on projects for ontario they're working on projects you know for penn all over the place so um it's you know back to that great message about you know we've got Great homegrown businesses that have established themselves in Toronto, they've grown and now the people that they've hired locally are working all over the world. So yeah, congratulations to John and Benji and Aubrey and Noah.
1: Yeah, it's funny. We were talking last night, Amanda, I think that this, you know, maybe this will be, uh, this will be time for John to, to settle down and work on lowering his, his handicap. And um, it's it's interesting that mo- the most clicked on link in the newsletter today so far is is a column I wrote um, on John back in May 2021 for the for the Toronto Star when we started to cover the gambling industry and Elliot Friedman refer- referring to John as a, a, a disruptor. And I think, you know, getting to know John a little bit over the last decade plus, it just feels to me that he's not—he's not quite ready to uh, to just go play play eighteen or thirty-six holes every day. That there's probably another another chapter, and and will be. Um, I'm curious to see what that looks like. Maybe just say to ask you, Phil. Like again, it does feel the timing of this makes sense. It does feel that there's a bit of a dust settling here with. Uh, you know, Penn has gone through the, the, the Barstool integration that they, they, they went through, uh, uh, the, you know, purchasing, acquiring the score bet, um, as Amanda mentioned, um, the integration of the technology. And obviously, more, more recently, uh, Penn um, creating ESPN bet with the, uh, with the worldwide leader. So it, it really does feel like the, the timing was perfect for this move to happen. Yeah,
3: and it's fascinating, you know, for someone who's been in this industry for 20 years to, to see the evolution in North America right now. Um, the amount of personalities and actually, you know, the amount of disclosure and and where, you know, gaming is right now in, in the, uh, you know, the accepted social fabric in North America, which, you know, you go back five or six years. It certainly was. Yeah, it's 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 still astounding to me. I, I find, though, um, right now, you know, in, in a lot of the regulated markets, the differences in, in what you can and what you can do as a sports book and what you can do and you can't do as a better. I, I still, you know, we see these. Um, Um, different, you know, news media um, stories, you know, uh, people are still being able to get down, you know, $250,000 in a single bet online at a tier one sports book. You know, I know know a lot of books, you certainly cannot do that, but you seem to certainly be able to do it at a number of books in the United States. Uh, I know Ontario wouldn't allow that. Uh, So again, yeah, it's just absolutely amazing what's happened and what we're seeing out there right now.
1: Yeah, and we we will get John on the show. I, I mentioned in the newsletter that I I did reach out to him uh, last night and and uh, hoping to talk to him for the newsletter today. And he politely declined and and um, did say that he'll he'll be happy to chat at some point. So we'll definitely uh, endeavor to get not only John but maybe try to get Benji, uh, Aubrey, and or Noah to join him as well on the uh, on the Gaming News Canada show down the uh, down the line. Um, another good news story, Amanda, that we covered in the newsletter today was the, uh, the acquisition of, of quarter four by, uh, fair play sports media that was announced on, on Monday. And I had a chance to, uh, to interview, uh, co-founders of quarter four yesterday, you know, again, Amanda, like you kind of among the first people I met when we started gaming news Canada back in February, 2021, and, uh. Uh, you know, a company that uses AI to spit out sports predictions on professional mm-hmm. sports and NCAA sports. And, you know, both Kelly and, and Daniela, they've, they've been grinders. They've, they've established a company in Waterloo. They have 13 people working, working for them now. And I think, you know, you you just uh, you're just happy to see two people like that who've worked their butts off for for almost five years, uh, put themselves in a position where where their business was attractive to a company that's going to be able to provide more support to them.
0: Yeah, I actually I've met both of them. Um, they've come to past summits, and I actually uh, introduced my former VP product uh, to Daniela and Kelly, and had an introductory call, and it went really well. Um, but kudos to them. Um, I, I you know, was really impressed with their product. Um, I was really impressed too that it's two very smart women who are slugging it out in what has traditionally been very male-dominated, just not even talking, talking about sports, but just any kind of software app development for the sports betting industry. Um, so this was, I, I hadn't seen it before. Uh, you put it in your newsletter today's Deep. so this is absolutely fabulous news and i hope i'll run into them i don't know if they're heading over to ice but i hope i'll see them at least in june at the summit and you know i can't wait to just congratulate them
1: um phil maybe you and amanda i mean Ozchecker global media i don't i don't know a lot about the company i mean kelly and uh both kelly and Daniela couldn't say enough good things about the ceo Stuart sims yesterday with with the negotiations that led to the uh the acquisition announcement on on Monday. Uh, this a company just rebranded a week ago to, to Fair Play Sports Media, and and you know their first bit of news is, is making uh, the acquisition of McNamee Company. Do, Phil, do you know anything about Stewart or or about uh, you know the company formerly known as Ozchecker?
3: Yeah, uh, yes, um, Ozchecker was uh, you know been a uh, wow. I mean, go, you go back to the day Ozchecker was uh, you know akin to uh, kind of. Uh, it's, Dom best but it was free uh, the, the dom best screen as an operator you had to pay for it as a um, you know an overview of odds um, offered um, across the globe and at uh, you know any um, major sports book that you wanted um, odds checker was free and, uh, and and a great service absolutely fantastic you could get you know in real time um, sports across the globe moving odds uh, opening odds and for you know, um, for a lot of um, a lot of sports that uh, were manually posted, that weren't on a feed back on in the day, um, a trading team could uh, go to Oddschecker and and offer events on the site using a uh, an amalgamation of odds that were there. They were a fantastic uh, company, absolutely.
0: Uh, Amanda. I defer to Phil on this. Um, I did not ever have any uh, any introduction to odds Checker prior to them showing up in the quarter four So, yeah, thanks for educating me too, Phil. <laughs>
3: <laughs> A free trading tool, absolutely, absolutely free trading tool, and fantastic. Just you know their their accuracy and their breadth of offering and the ease of use uh, on their site um, for, you know, for a lot of sites that, you know, I go back to the days when, you know, we didn't have the automated um, integration feed where, you know, providers were uh, providing odds for for books automatically uh, as a small trading team. um, Odds Checker was an indispensable tool.
1: Yeah. And there, there, Phil, I just mentioned too, a couple of their clients include uh, Gazzetta Dello Sport, which, you know, is the iconic uh, Italian sports media business. And, and days on the uh the sports streaming streaming service. And uh both Kelly and Daniela did tell me yesterday that they're gonna continue to be very active in quarter four. And, and don't don't be surprised if you see them take on uh prominent roles within fair play sports media at uh at, at some point. Um but again, yeah, it's it really is uh it, it really is a good uh a good news story. Um I did want to tee up uh, talk about ice a little bit, um, Amanda and Phil, because you're you're both going to London next week, and uh, we did dedicate a section of the newsletter this morning to trying to, try to I guess hold people's hands a little bit on on what to uh, what to expect and what the agenda looks like, and just quickly, uh, you know, the kind of there is a healthy Canadian contingent going and participating in some of the panel discussions, um, Doug, uh, Doug Downey, the Attorney General of Ontario, is gonna uh, have the stage to himself to deliver some words, which I expect about the Ontario uh, regulated market on Tuesday morning, and that's gonna be followed by a round table, and I'm, I'm sure Amanda, you'll be sitting in on this, it's uh, is gonna include uh, Doug and uh, Paul Burns from the Canadian Gaming Association, Martha Otten from iGaming Ontario, uh, Bruce Coghill the Canadian country manager for Rush Street interactive Danielle Bush the, the senior counsel for McCarthy Tetro and also Lindsay Slater um, the vice president from GeoComply, who's been on the on the show bef- before and uh you know it's funny Amanda like that was that that uh, I sat in that round table last year and that was the first time I'd had a chance to meet Martha in person and it was a really a great uh a great form to just be able to have a, an open conversation with, with people and, and an open dialogue and, and learn about the industry. So I, I would encourage anyone that listens to this podcast and maybe, you know, is wanting to learn more about the Ontario market to make sure that you uh, that you do sit at that round table next Tuesday.
0: Yeah, the, uh, the ICE show has been traditionally one of the sort of two international conferences that Canadians attend. Um, It is the interactive show. Um, So if you are providing any kind of digital product or service, um, ICE is sort of a not to be missed. not to be conference and you know the the crown corps go and regulators go and now with ontario being open a lot of the operators will go so uh, it's it's going to be like a nice reunion with with people i haven't seen since g2e so g2e being the other one because who doesn't love a chance to go down to vegas and i see chris abbott has joined so you can get him in on that too um i think the focus now like if you were to talk to paul so ontario is launched we're about to you know ring the bell on the second year anniversary. So, okay, Ontario, still stuff to talk about, but, you know, we have to start looking beyond Ontario as well. Um, We're hoping that, you know, there'll be some news coming out of uh, Alberta uh, later this year. We're hoping, you know, that the minister in charge of getting some standards developed um, will, you know, get set up and introduced to some people that could could help with that. Um, so I think also too you know the the focus has to be on you know yeah Ontario is trucking along really well but you know what else is coming down the pipeline I think there's only so many years you can go to big conferences like this and still be talking about like only one jurisdiction so you know hopefully by the time this show moves to Barcelona in 2025 I, I love London but I have to admit I'm kind of excited about warmer <laughs> weather in February um, you know hopefully we will have you know you know whomever the equivalent of Doug Downey is or Martha Otten or Karen Chenar from Alberta there, you know, to kind of announce the launch of their market, that would be fabulous. Um, but, you know, just being really cautious that, you know, when you go over to London and, you know, the event that's happening at Canada House, it's it's a pan-Canadian lens you're wanting to put on it. So I'm just, you know, hyper-focused that it's not only just Ontario we talk about.
1: Yep. No, fair, fair enough. Hey, Phil, what what are your plans for ice?
3: Well, you know, I've been there uh, many times. Uh, It's certainly not like not like it was in the 2000s, Steve, when Bodog was kind of ruling the roost. The uh, the parties were pretty wild. You don't see that anymore. But there's certainly, um, boy, it's just, you know, now the the expansive um, collection of uh, providers, uh, recruiters um, uh, and, and a number of other, you know, movers and shakers in the industry. It's just a great place to go and network. Um, I'm working with a couple of companies in the United States right now um, with Daily Fantasy and also micro betting. Uh, I'm working with a couple of companies doing micro betting. so there'll be, you know, there's a lot of providers there now and people are really starting to develop that side of the industry. Um, so, yeah, you just, you know, who, who who's who isn't there and it's just a great chance to walk around and meet so many different people and, and colleagues that you've, you know, you've been involved with for a long time. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, hey, it's uh, like minus 10 in Montreal right now. So it's supposed to be 13 in uh, London next week. So that's kind of like spring to me, you know.
1: Yeah, no, it was uh it was beautiful there last year, uh think like I was telling you, I, and my wife and I ended up spending a few extra days after the conference and, and thoroughly and enjoyed England in uh February. Uh, the other thing I'll mention too, Amanda, like when I started when we started this newsletter back in February 2021, um, ICE didn't have the greatest reputation and and uh you know, I think exploiting women and and you know some of the some of the stuff was uh, kind of be, beyond the pale with with some of the uh, the gambling companies at, at their boost. But I, I will say, last year I found for the most part there was a, a bit of that. But I I did find there was quite a high level of professionalism around the uh, around the show, and and that's kind of the feedback I got from others is that that I said grown up might be the right way to put it.
0: Yeah, you get enough of the big – because remember, the people paying all the money to exhibit um, and, you know, paying all the dollars to lug all their slot machines and displays, you know, across oceans to to have them on the exhibit floor – are the ones that will ultimately determine if your conference is going to be successful or not. So when they start sending some concerned emails to the heads of those organizations that run the conferences, they tend to pay attention. And it wasn't just ICE. Pretty much every single one of them uh, was guilty of the same behavior. As Phil said, you know, in the early 2000s, you know, some people might have blushed to be at some of these conferences, but um, it's certainly been you know really uh cleaned up you know it's kind of a movement that you really can't pretend you've not ever heard of before which is you know stop objectifying women and stop putting them in scantily clad outfits and you know trying to lure men over so they can you know sell whatever products they're hawking so yeah it, it wasn't just ice it was pretty much all of them but this industry as a whole has also grown up and matured quite a bit so you know, there, there, lots of them are publicly traded companies now. So the whole industry is is behaving, um, you know, in a lot more grown up fashion. So, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to not having to see any of that when I'm over there.
1: <laughs> and I guess for anybody that listens to the show or in the podcast who who might be going to ICE for the first time again, I I would strongly recommend um, kind of laying out a calendar because it is the XL place, and it's it's crazy to think this, but the Part of the, the reason for moving to Barcelona is for bigger a bigger conference center. I mean, the the XL London space is pretty large, uh, in my humble opinion, and and uh, so there is a lot of walking involved. Um, the, the, uh, some of the panels do happen at kind of opposite ends of the of the building, so it'll just be aware of that and they're two separate exhibit areas but it is a neat uh it, it is a neat show and and to phil's point uh you know spending a week in in london in february isn't the uh isn't the worst thing to, to do so um amanda phil hope you enjoy yourselves next week and i think phil you're you are going to try to uh, join us on Uh, on the show next Thursday so that hopefully we can make that make that happen and of course Amanda if you you happen to be around too we'd love to get you both uh, both to join us from from London Um, I I wanted to take the last 12-13 minutes to the program to to talk a bit about the Super Bowl and and because um, we are going to be next week we'll only be uh, four days out from the from the big game and uh, I'm glad that Chris Abbott joined us because we'll maybe get uh, start with you and, and Chris and Phil. I want this and, and Amanda. I want this be a bit of a fun segment. And uh, you know, this I, this isn't uh, you know, I, I'm not expecting you to give picks or advice on on what to what to bet on or what what uh, specific bets to make. But just uh, like just maybe start with you, Chris, in terms of how how big the Super Bowl is with with sports betters, and it's you know, is it that one event of the year that if you're that if you're any kind of sports bettor you're going to lay money on this game. Yeah, I mean uh, the Super Bowl
4: is the Super Bowl sports betting, right? Like it's uh, um, you know in in other industries people say this is our Super Bowl. Well, the Super Bowl is sports betting Super Bowl. Um, yeah, it's it's a big big time for acquisition. Um, the Taylor Swift thing actually might help sports betting operators this year. I mean, uh, you're going to have a whole different set of eyeballs, and if the Swifties want to get in and lay some bets on what she might be wearing or when what time she'll make it back from Japan or whatever, um, that's, that's only good. So. You know, there's a reason that there's an infinite number of things to bet on. You get a lot more casual football fans and a lot more casual bettors. And as an operator, if you can get them into your CRM database um, around the Super Bowl, then you're certainly going to try hard for it. So um, I was reading an article earlier this week actually that talked about some affiliates pausing their activity during the Super Bowl because they felt like they paid out for a lot of customers that they'll never see again. So I thought that was an interesting slant on it as well. But to me, it's a it's a huge opportunity for acquisition and it's a whole lot harder to get someone into your database than it is to keep them there. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'd go for that strategy myself.
1: Hey, Phil, just uh, putting on your trading hat for a second, like just how Stressful slash exhilarating was was Super Bowl week and your in your old line of work.
3: You, you know what, Steve? This is uh, going to be the first Super Bowl Super Bowl in twenty years. Uh, exactly twenty years. I get to sit back and enjoy and have a few wings and. Maybe a slim and light um, every day. I was I was I was there every uh, every Super Bowl Sunday for twenty years in a row. Um, well, you know, as far you know from a sports book um, perspective, is you know for PL and and percent on the season, you're already set. You know on 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 what you've you've made you know or lost for the season. And this 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 year, books have done particularly well. I think so. It's an opportunity, as, as Chris was saying, it's a huge acquisition opportunity. Now, whether or not. You know, as Chris was pointing to as well, you know, can you can you keep those one time betters, um, you know, in the book on Monday after the game is over and, and, and get them to, uh, you know, become a, a regular client and deposit? That's another story. Uh, you know, that's that's a big part of, um, you know, the CRM team that everybody looks at that. You know, what can we do to keep these first time betters around? Um, but it's yeah, I mean, it's a fun day. And as Chris was saying, you know, there's they're just, you know, it's growing over the years. And some of it just gets absolutely silly, you know, some of some of the props. But, you know, go down to game props, though. down, you know, with the providers. um, you, you, Boy, you know, there's a thousand plus ways of pretty much any book that you can bet on, you know, actual game statistics. The fun props, you know, the kind of weird stuff that's out there. It, the coin toss, Steve, is still, you know, one of the biggest bet props, you know. And, you know, books, books didn't use, usually offer offer it without Vig, without VIG, but uh, they do now as a 50-50 bet. Just a massive, you know, the color of the Gatorade. Um, again, that's probably, you know, maybe the second biggest bet prop. The, the Anthem, that's fun. Um, this year, Reba McIntyre, I think she said it about a minute and 30 seconds. But that's, if you can keep it up, because there's been a lot of controversy uh, over the years um, with the Anthem, you know, it was leaked and, you know, some, you right, some, uh, um um, regulatory uh, reasons. You can offer it. You can uh, just massive. So it's just a fun day, actually. You know, I just kind of sit back, watch the money come in and you can, you know, you can take an opinion and this year's line is kind of mirroring last year's line. Uh, Kansas city, you know, plus two right now, San Francisco open two and a half. I feel that's a huge overvaluation on uh, Kansas city on the money line. So uh, you know, the public and the, a lot of other People say the same. Three-quarters of the bets right now. Tickets and money are on Kansas City. You're seeing that line stay out, though, because, you know, the Super Bowl is in Las Vegas. Um, there will be a, a West Coast bias to, uh, to to the money coming in, especially next week. So books are kind of holding that, too, right now. Would it drop to pick uh, by game time? I, I wouldn't be surprised to see it.
1: Hey man, I'm just curious. I mean, you've worn a few different hats in the in the ga- in the gambling industry. I just any any stories from your experiences with with Super Bowl uh, wearing those hats?
0: Ah, uh, not really. On the kindred side, they had Mattress Mac put that unbelievable bet on the Houston Astros, and they had to pay him out. So. Um, I tend to <laughs> I tend to look at the sportsbook side of things as um, a necessary evil sometimes for operators because you can get every now and then that, that one bet that pays out like that and it just screws everything up <laughs> and you start having to present your financials with well if we excluded that one time event then we would have been like looking really good for the quarter but you know so <laughs> anyway but I think uh, as Phil said like for me like I am not a big, huge sports better, but my husband bought an 85-inch television last year, and I'll be coming back from ice uh, to a house of people. Um, and I've told him he can organize the whole thing, and we usually put dinner down on it. Um, whoever picks the winning team, the loser buys the other one dinner, so that's how we do it. Um, but I've just told him that I right now, I don't want to vote for Taylor Swift's boyfriend's team. I, I really, I really don't. I can't even do it anymore. I can't even, it, the convergence of sort of those two worlds. I, I'm i just too old. Let's just say that. I'm just too old anymore to wrap my head around some things. We, anyway, that's, that's me in Super Bowl. We,
1: we are marking you down as an anti-Swifty for the record. Um, Chris, um, can you just, just maybe some, a few thoughts on, on the whole pro- uh, novelty bets thing and, and suggestions for people. Again, if like, someone like myself that hasn't haven't bet a lot on the on the super bowl and and things like the as phil mentioned the national anthem and the, the the color of gatorade and um you know what what songs get sung in the halftime show like what what would be your advice to people when it comes to those novelty bets hey man i
4: was up 200 bucks before they kicked off last year with the anthem and the coin toss so i'm <laughs> i'm a big proponent but um <laughs> uh you know we talk often in, in this uh, podcast and, and around the space is often a lot of discourse around people who really understand sports betting. They understand odds. They understand, you know, what they're getting back when they put it down. They understand what they're betting on. Just a little sidebar. I had a friend a couple of weeks ago who put down a bet, and he texted me, and he's like, why doesn't this win? I had Josh Allen two-plus touchdowns, and I was like, he has to score those touchdowns, not throw them. So we, we have, like, a lot of... um uh I guess, you know, predetermined knowledge when we're we're talking about these things. So when we talk about new players coming in around the Super Bowl, these novelty bets are a great way to just get introduced to the entire process. Like it's really easy to say, okay, what color is the Gatorade going to be? Is it going to be heads or tails? You know, is the anthem going to be over or under this this length? And if it's Reba, I'll take the over on a buck 30. Um so to me, I think it's just a really good way to introduce people to the process. It's, it is complicated. It's intimidating when you go to a sports book or open up an app and you see all these numbers staring back at you and you're like, I, I just want to bet on who wins the game. And that's not always the most straightforward thing. So I think these props are a way to kind of let people dip their toe in and, and kind of just get used to the overall process.
1: Hey Phil, I wanted to ask you just, you know, w- w- given our conversation earlier with Brett Jackman about about in-play betting and that. Like how how has betting evolved over for the Super Bowl over the two plus decades you've been involved as a
3: trader? Well, as a whole in North America, in-play, you know, is is starting to catch up to Europe, you know, that's, that's you know I've mentioned a couple of times, you know, over the last number of years. I mean, it, it for a long time uh, even on, online, I mean, in, in-play was was much larger in Europe, North America now. You know, starting to match pregame, and, and in some instances, it will soon overtake uh, pregame, especially with we know what's coming with micro betting. Um, I wasn't a huge. Um, I didn't think that was really going to take. We, we tried it a number of years ago, and it wasn't that. You know, um, didn't seem to be that um, interesting to clients, but it certainly is now. And you see some of the companies coming up now with with the micro betting, and then the amount of handle on um um, in play now just just tremendous and you're starting to see it in north american sports where it was mostly you know before it was european sports um you know overnight stuff And, and you know people that wanted to bet overnight and they could get in on in play on you know itf tennis and stuff like that well now you know you see it now in the four major north american sports just just massive
1: I do want to mention, for uh, Amanda's sake, that I just received an email from Katie Kohler, the the comps person for Ben MGM, and one of the uh, prop bets they're making available for the for the Super Bowl is uh, whether or not the MVP is going to mention Taylor Swift uh, after the after the game. So I, I knew Amanda would like like to hear
0: that. I'm, I'm rolling my eyes, but you can't see me.
1: <laughs> well, on that on that happy note, let's let's wrap up the the show there. Um, thanks so much to, uh, to Amanda Brewer as always, uh, Phil Gray, uh, Chris Abbott, Phil and Amanda wish you uh, very safe travels next week in, in England and, and look forward to catching up with you at both, uh, at some point, um, either during ice next week or, or after the conference when you're back on Canadian, uh, Canadian soil. Uh, also want to thank Brett, uh, Jackman from PointsBank Canada for, for joining us, uh, at the top of the show as well. Uh, as always, um, we will uh, we will have this in podcast form uh, next week. You can find it on the regular podcast uh, streaming services or at gamingnewscanada.ca. Um, listen, everybody enjoys, this, I guess, a bit of a break this week on the sports calendar, although I know hockey fans in Canada will be uh, following the, the various NHL All-Star weekend activities that are happening. But uh, it is winter, so please, everybody, be be safe out there when if you're traveling or, or if you're driving anywhere. Uh, Thanks, as always, for joining us, and we'll talk to everybody again in seven days' time. Thank you for listening to the Gaming News Canada show. Sign up for our newsletter at GamingNewsCanada.ca. Follow Steve McAllister
4: on LinkedIn. Message Steve if you're interested in being a sponsor or featured guest.